you know, Gertrude and Jesus' name this morning up, uh, um, Darren this morning, it just seems like uh, we had a, a pretty busy week this week, it seemed like, and yeah, it's just, it's good to, to have a day of rest, to be able to, together with um, like-minded people, and, and be able to come to the house of the Lord to worship Him. Um, yeah, I want to thank Brother Crip for the devotions this morning, the Sunday school uh, lesson was, yeah, it was um, a lot of good things in there. Um, but yeah, this morning I was, I'm gonna like to speak a little bit in First Peter. Uh, there's a couple verses there, and I had actually used this this passage of scripture in one of my other messages a while back. Just in a yeah, it's a passage about um, Jesus Christ being our living hope. And you know, if we think about our our lives, um, you know, before we met Jesus, you know, without Jesus, you know, they were they were meaningless. You know, they didn't was, you know, destined to, uh, you know, eternal life of, you know, um, utter despair and agony. You know, we're living as a, as a slave to sin. And whenever we're doing that, you know, we have no no hope of eternal life. You know, we're living in a in a pit that no person has enough power by themselves, you know, to pull themselves out of there. You know, we have to have the help of our Lord and Savior. You know, and the, and the God we serve, you know, he's, he's Lord, he's the God of ages. You know, he's the greatest Savior that's, that's ever been and ever, ever will be. You know, he's the King of kings. And in the verse there, I'm going to read a couple of verses in First Peter 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance un- incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And you know, we thank your Peter um, when he thought of you know the first thing he said here: "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." You know, just for His abundant mercy that He has for us. Um, you know, do we praise Jesus in that way, like Peter did here? Um, you know, Peter, when he considered all that God had done, you know, the motive for His work was actually in Jesus Christ. You know, that had nothing to do with us. You know, he's saying praises to God, and you know, His abundant, abundant mercy towards sinners, you know, has begotten us again to a lively hope. And the Amplified version would say, "Blessed, gratefully praised, and adored be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His abundant and boundless mercy, has caused us to be born again. That is to be reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for His purpose." To an ever-living hope and confidence, confident assurance through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, we're, um, we're whenever we're born again, you know, we're, um, we're set apart, we're, we're transformed, and, you know, to uh, be able to serve God. And I had a, uh, a passage here that says, It is also called a living hope because it is imperishable. Other hopes fade like withering flowers, the hopes of the rich, the boasts of the proud, all these will die out as a candle when it flickers in the socket. The hope of the greatest monarch has been crushed before our eyes. He set up the standard of victory too soon and has seen it trailed in the mire. There's no unwaning hope beneath the changeful moon. The only imperishable hope is that which climbs above the stars and fixes itself upon the throne of God and the person of Jesus Christ. You know, there's, there was and still is mercy that made this living hope possible. And um, I want to Turn to Ephesians 2, um, I'm going to um, reference this, yeah, I want to read like four verses here and then come back later and, and um, read on down to verse 10, but 
And it says, and you had, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the, of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in, in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as, even as others. And then this, yeah, verse 4 here says, um, you know, it talked about mercy in First Peter, but it said, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he, wherewith he loved us. You know, he had, it said there in the first verse, he had, hath he quickened, you know, um, whenever we, you know, that means to be born again. And when we experience that new birth, you know, we were made, made alive by the sacrifice that, you know, God made of his son Jesus. And it says, who were dead in trespasses and sins, you know, um, doesn't mean being physically dead, um, but, you know, we talk about trespassing and, you know, being across the line and being, you know, living in sin. Um, it means that the, the innermost part of our being, you know, our spirit, um, the most, um, you know, the most important part of us is dead to the most important factor in, in, um, in life, and that's God. And, you know, whenever we were dead men spiritually, Christ made us alive, and, as we go through this life, we must never forget that. You know, he's, he's our, um, our living hope. And verses 2 and 3, you know, it says, Once we walked, once walked according to the course of this world. And, you know, as, whenever we was living as in sin or living as sinners, um, you know, we was in constant trespass of, of, of God. And, you know, and sinning against the Lord. And, you know, that's less of the flesh, you know, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind. And, you know, but just... By nature, we're you know children of disobedience, um, and we were all guilty in walking in that, uh, you know, against our Lord. And the key word in that is once. You know, it's it's different once we become born again. Um, you know, we know that there's a not saying you know, we talked about temptation in Sunday school a little bit, but there, um, you know, not saying that there's not temptations. You know, and times we might slip up, but we know that there's a, a suffocating weight that comes with that whenever we are. Um, whenever we're living in sin, and you know it bears down on bears down on us, and you know it should make us never want to return there again. Um, you know, to that path of darkness that we were going. You know, it should make us even to think about it. You know, should make us uncomfortable. And then going on there, verse four. Um, you know, it says, "But God, who is rich in mercy." You know, if we think about that, you know, just how great that verse is. Um, you know, but God, who is rich in mercy, you know, He's our only hope that we have of eternal salvation. Um, you know, to have a place in heaven. And, yeah, it's just, it's so exciting this morning to be able to <clears throat> to serve a God that is merciful towards sinners like us. Um, and if we think about it, we didn't, by no means did we get what we deserved. Um, you know, we as sinners, we deserved the ultimate punishment. Uh, you know, but we received far greater than that. And whenever he sent uh, Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, you know, he personally sacrificed um, his own flesh and blood to save a lowly sinner like myself. You know, how great a gift that really is. And, you know, if we just, you know, stop and think about that, the mercy that our Father had toward us, and, you know, how, how merciful he is. Um, you know, he could have, he could have just as easily sat in heaven and looked down on us, you know, living in sin, you know, watching us rebel against him in every form and fashion, and just live the way we wanted to and suffer the consequences and not do anything about it. But that's, that's not the God we serve. He's a God of love. Um, he's a loving Father. He has no desire for anyone to miss heaven. 
And you know, his his great mercy that they talked about here in verse four, it's it's given us the living hope. You know, it's um, John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son, that so whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And another verse in Second Peter three nine says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, Lord, not willing any should perish, but that he that all should come to repentance. You know, there was a um, there was a life given here to make this um, this hope of you know this living hope attainable to us, and it was the ultimate sacrifice. You know, it was all time payment for the whole world's sin, and, and it was God's plan to send His Son to die for our you know for our to offer us a plan of salvation. And First Timothy one verse fifteen says, "This is a faithful saying." And worthy of all exception, acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world of sin, into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief, who of whom I am chief. You know, he's if we think about God, you know, he's the only person, or Jesus, he's the only person that lived on this earth that never committed sin. You know, he was tempted several times, but he never, you know, he never gave in. You know, he's the King of Kings, and. Um, verse there in Second Corinthians um, five, verse twenty-one it says, "For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we may, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him." You know, he um, he made Christ. You know, he he knew no sin to to be sin on our behalf, so that you know we could be. Uh, become like the righteousness of God. You know, that's, um, you know, he took our, our sin in exchange that we follow him righteously. You know, how, how grateful we need to be to be, uh, to have something, you know, like our sin, you know, something so worthless taken from us and given something so immeasurable back. Um, you know, the ultimate gift, you know, of eternal life in heaven. And, you know, we think of the death on the cross, you know, that whenever he, uh, whenever he, um, was sacrificed there. You know, the, he died on the cross, and you know our sins were paid in full whenever his blood was shed. Um, you know, the veil in the temple was torn too, and that gave us direct access to have a personal relationship with God the Father. And you know, it allows us to. You know, beforehand they had to. Um, yeah, there was a, a priest or whatever in the temple, and they had to speak to him, and he had to go into the holy of holies. And it's not like that anymore. You know, it's we can go directly to God and. It allows us to have a deep and meaningful relationship with Him, and you know, allows Him allows that His Spirit to dwell in the you know in the center of us, in the innermost part of our being. And Matthew twenty-seven uh, verses fifty and fifty-one. Um, just talking about there, but um, you know, whenever He died on the cross, it says Jesus, when He had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and beheld the veil in the temple was rent in twain from the, top, from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And then going on there, you know, he, he, died, on the, you know, the, he died on the cross, and in the morning he rose, uh, you know, three days later he rose from the dead. Um, you know, it, it proved to us that he was really the Savior that was prophesied about, you know, from in the Old Testament times and uh, even in the, in the New Testament. You know, there were different prophecies that, um, that were shared there, and I don't have them all. Um, Mark eight thirty one, chapter eight verse thirty one. 
It says, and he began to teach them. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And then we'll read a few verses in Matthew 27, uh, farther down the chapter there, uh, 62, and then going into um, chapter 28. It says, now the, next day the, now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together into Pilate, saying, Sir, and this is after Jesus had been sacrificed, and, and uh, it says, saying, Sir, we remember that, that, that the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Commanded, therefore, that the sepulchre be made, in, made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was lightning, was like lightning, and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the, angel, and the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he, that, that <clears throat> behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, lo, I have told you. You know, these... these um, these chief priests and Pharisees, you know, they was, they wanted to keep Jesus in that grave, you know, in that tomb, and, you know, they made, they took great preparations to keep him in there, but, you know, on the third day, uh, you know, he rose from the dead, and, you know, they took every precaution to make him stay in that tomb, but then, you know, that's, if we look at that, you know, that Jesus' resurrection is a vital part in the Christian faith, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, he made all these promises about you know rising again in three days, so we know that all that he's promised for us, you know, that he, uh, that he will keep that, you know, just because he rose from the dead. And Romans one four says, Romans one verse four says, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Um, you know, his resurrection here, you know, it shows us that. A living Christ is a ruler of God's eternal kingdom. And, you know, he's not a false prophet or imposter. You know, he could have said these things, and if he wouldn't have rose again, you know, what kind of hope would we had? Um, and, you know, there was, there's many false prophets throughout the Bible. There was, um, you know, as I was doing some study, and there was some mentioned there. I didn't write them down. And then I was, yeah, I was actually reading an article about um, a recent uh, false prophet, I guess. It's been, shouldn't say recent, it's been several years ago, but. I don't actually remember this, but um, about the Branch Davidians in, in Texas, and you know David, I think his name was David Crash. You know he he was a leader of a a, yeah, a sect off of um, Seventh Day Adventist or something. I'm not sure how exactly it was, but you know he had he had people believing that he was Messiah, and um, yeah, they had. I'm not sure what all happened. The federal government came in and. And yeah, there were several people died in that in that massacre, and but the people that lived believed in three days he was going to rise again. And 
know, that was in 1993, and, you know, to my knowledge, his body's probably still in the grave in Texas, uh, you know, so he was, he was a false prophet, you know, he didn't rise again, and, you know, there's different events like this that, you know, took place in modern times with, you know, false, false, false prophets leading people astray, and, you know, there, there are people that claim, proclaim to be God, and, you know, they come and go, but there's only one person that stood the test of time, that's God, and, you know, Jesus, and that, and the, and the death on the cross, <clears throat> and you know, I, I ask you again: Do we worship the, our uh, our God for the Savior He is? You know, do we realize that He has, you know, He's given us that choice to to be born again into a lively hope? You know, to uh, to be able to face life with confidence. You know, that we can be assured that you know there's there's life after death, and you know, the King has overcome all darkness, um, and the amount of mercy that He's poured out in that area, you know, for us, you know, just to save lowly sinners, you know, we're so undeserving of God's love, and, you know, like I mentioned earlier, that's, our God is a, is a God of love, you know, he, he will, um, he has no desire for anyone to miss heaven, and, you know, we can be, we can be certain that, that death is not the end, you know, if we have him, you know, if we have him as a living hope, you know, we can face, face that with confidence, um, you know, that we can have a future life in his kingdom, you know, we don't know when will we be called home, you know, called home or called away from this earth? Um, but, you know, we know because Jesus rose from the dead, and if we say that he is our, you know, confess that he is our Savior, um, you know, he, he proved that, you know, bringing Jesus back to life, that whenever we caught out of this world, there's a promise of living with him eternally, you know, whenever he called Jesus out of that grave. And, you know, that same power that brought Jesus back to life, that's still available. <clears throat> To bring our spiritually dead selves, you know, back to life, you know, to put ourselves back in right standing with God, you know, if we if we just ask Him to, and you know that verse in in First Peter there, you know, it says that His abundant mercy has begotten us again. You know, that, that makes it a personal to each one of us. Um, you know, it means that we must be born again, you know, if we hope to obtain this this lively hope from God, and you know, we all once lived in sin, and we're not just automatically given a, a get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, there has to be a a uh, renewing of life. You know, there has to be a rebirth, a change in lifestyle. And, you know, we must let the Holy Spirit into our lives <clears throat> and live for Him. You know, He requires that that we be born again. Um, I think we had, you know, the last few messages we've had here, <clears throat> I think Brother Darren shared on that here a while back, actually. And, and John 3, 3, um, they're talking there. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, that's, you know, we have to be transformed, you know, reborn from above, renewed and sanctified. And we have to personally receive it. You know, it does no good for us just to know about it. Um, you know, there's, there's no hope in that. Um, you know, we must accept it into our lives. Um, you know, we can, we can come to church every Sunday. Um, you know, we can follow all the laws. We can be good people. Um, you know, have outstanding morals. But that's not going to get us into heaven. Um, you know, that comes with being a Christian, but, you know, we have to, you know, that doesn't make us good in God's sight. Uh, we have to accept him into our lives. And, you know, as we read, you know, earlier in Ephesians, um, you know, we, we know we were, we were all once sinners, you know, and in God's eyes, unless we accept him as our Savior, nobody's good. You know, we can, we must have a, a life that's united with him. And, you know, there's, there's salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. And, you know, when we think of the abundant mercy that he has for us, you know, how can we not be amazed? I mean, 
you know, just the outpouring of love that he has that he has shown for us. And you know, I just I just stand in awe of that. You know, the amazing Savior that we that we save in that or that we serve in that area. And going back to Ephesians, there I want to read the um, last five or six verses there. It says, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together, <clears throat> and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, our eternal life in him is certain, you know, if we ask if we accept him in our lives, you know, we have no reason to doubt that. And you know, he's proven all these things, you know, up and you know, he's proven them, he's that was prophesied. You know, he's he was faithful then, he's and he's gonna be faithful, you know, forever. And you know, to, uh, you know that that salvation is a direct gift from from God or from Jesus when He died on the cross, and you know we need to accept it and respond with serving. You know He expects whenever we um, accept Him into our lives, and um, you know it says that not of works, lest any man should boast. You know He doesn't. We're not going to be saved by works, but He expects us whenever we're living for Him to produce fruit or, you know, have, have works for him. And, you know, no, no works can, can save us, but, you know, his intention with, with salvation is that we uh, produce acts of, service with, acts of service for him, you know, build up his church. And, you know, I just, I just I personally thank God every, you know, daily for his abundant mercy that he poured out for, you know, for sinners. And, you know, we have, I just noticed this morning, I guess, before I left home, there are, are we got a magnet on the fridge there. It says, it's Hebrews six nineteen, which is a familiar verse. It says, "Which hope we have as hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both steadfast and sure, and which entereth in into that within the veil." You know, we have a confident confident assurance that um, you know we have a lively hope with Jesus Christ, and you know how wonderful it is this morning that we can we can serve a Savior like that. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't have much more than that. I guess. If, um, everyone's willing we'll just uh, kneel for a word of prayer dear Lord again just kneel before you now and pray Lord thank you for blessing us with a wonderful day today Lord that we can gather to, to worship you Lord and we just Lord now we just uh, want to thank you so greatly for your plan of salvation Lord that you offered for us um, the abundant love and mercy that you've poured out for us now. Uh, lowly sinners now that uh, needed a Savior, Lord, we just, we just thank you for being that awesome and wonderful God that you are for us. <clears throat> and yeah, as we go throughout this life, Lord, uh, we just ask that you continue pouring that out for us. And that we could, um, as a church here and as a church of, of uh, Jesus Christ and the whole, Lord, that we could just continue to uh, witness for you, Lord, to... Uh, Tell people about your love and mercy that you had for us and bring more people to you Lord, <clears throat> that um, might be saved because we know that it's, it is your desire that no one would perish and everyone would have an everlasting life. 
And we're just, again, thank you for the many blessings you pour out for us, Lord, each and every day of our lives. Mention you one.